oh, okay, we've all been there. And we all at some point have to learn. We don't have the hardware for that. (laughs) Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and maybe even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome everyone. My name is Laura. I'm a mother of two with my Montessori training in lower elementary and upper elementary, which is ages six to 12. I am here with Megan, mother of two, with her Montessori training in lower elementary, ages six to nine. And she's currently working on her primary training, which is ages three to six. And Rachel, mother of two, with her Montessori training in infant toddler, which is birth through three years old. All right, ladies, let's start by catching up. What have you guys been up to? My baby girl turned one. That's the big news. You've got a one-year-old. I literally feel like I was just recording in my closet and coughing and (laughs) peeing. I know. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) A couple weeks ago. How is that a year? Crazy. She's so cute. She is wild. She's... (laughs) Compared to my first child, they're just very different personalities. I mean, I love it, but I'm like, she's like growling at the doctor today. And I'm just like, sorry. <laughs> Those second oh babies, God. man. To imagine her sweet little face, though, growling, that's hilarious. She, legit she looks growling. like a cherub. Like she looks like an angel baby. <laughs> and no, you're like, no. no. She's feisty <laughs> like her mama. <laughs> She climbed up the pickler today and literally pushed brother off. And he was like, what? And she's, she's like smiling and he's like almost in tears. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I'm I'm right with you there. I'm trying my best to, but no, I can't believe she's one. We had a big party, family and friends. It was good. It's always kind of sad. I don't know that, that one just hits you. Nobody tells you. The first birthday is really hard. I have not had a harder time than on the first birthday. I like was crying, putting her to sleep and Garrett's like, what is wrong with you? I don't know. I want another ba- I need another baby now. <laughs> it's like they stay in other stages longer, like they're toddlers for a few years and then they're, you know, in that childhood age for several years and they're teenagers for several years, but like that baby time is like you get it one year and that's it and it's just really emotional when it's over, but also like that you made it. Because it's so hard. Because so much happens in one year. Like the most change and growth and everything is happening. And change in you as a person, like the ability to keep a baby healthy and thriving for a year is hard. And to keep yourself healthy and thriving for a year is also very hard. So I just feel like it's this huge, congratulations, you made it a year. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. 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 Proud of you. 
I'll jump off of yours because it was definitely a highlight for us going to her birthday party. It was really sweet to see. And the two older kids now, my daughter and your son, first of all, oh my God, was she excited to go. She knew it was your daughter's birthday party, but she was dancing around the kitchen singing. What was it? I I sent you guys a video. It was like, my best boy, my sweetest boy, yeah, Blanky, like (laughs) just basically fill in your son's name. I want to know how many clips she had in her hair while singing this song. Every clip. So my daughter dressed herself for this birthday party and she (laughs) pulled all the stops. Like she just was amazing. She had every clip from a bag of at least 20 clips in her hair and they all stayed somehow. All of them made it through the whole party. Some were dangling to begin with. Like it literally had one hair. There was no scalp. It was metal. She looked (laughs) like she was wearing a helmet to this birthday party. That's how many clips were in her hair. But she was so excited. And yeah, she was singing a song about your son. She's like, my best boy, my sweetest boy, Finley, all the way there. And it was just, it's so cute to see them as they get older, their interactions change, but they've been a part of each other's lives for their entire lives. So it's just so, oh God, it's so good to see. I love it. And I got to bring my son over to your house for the first time to lay on the floor in the playroom. And oh man, he was like, this place rocks. He already knew what what was up. He's like, we're not leaving. This is great. So that was definitely a highlight for us was going to your birthday party. Well, I feel like that goes perfectly into my update was that I didn't get to go to the party because my parents were here visiting. And that was the day that they, the last day they were here. And then we were going to head up to the airport, but oh my gosh, I'm so sad that they're gone. I can't tell you how much I need them to just live with me and be with me at all times. And teenage me would never, like I, (laughs) if I, if I heard myself now, you know, 13 year old me would be like, oh my God, they're so embarrassing. And Right now, I just like (laughs) want to be glued to my mother at all times. (laughs) They came and, you know, they don't get to visit very often. They live in California and so it's a big trip. They come every couple months probably, which is, I mean, it's still a lot, but not enough. So they were here for an entire week, which my kids were so excited about. But my mom like went through all of the kids' dressers and took all the things that don't fit and everything that's from, that's like long sleeve and either put it in a bag for next fall or put it in a donation bag. And just that, I mean, it seems little, but if you're a parent, you know, like, oh my gosh. That stuff piles up. It piles up on you. Yeah. It's like a huge weight lifted. <laughs> she, They took them to school and my kid's teacher, because they're in the same class, was like, what did you do to their lunch boxes? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I looked at it and my, my mom had washed them, which I didn't know you could do. <laughs> <laughs> and they looked like brand new, nothing on them. They apparently they're like now that I look back, they were just brown. <laughs> they're not originally brown. And I thought it was so funny because she was like, "What did you do?" And I was like, "Well, I came back to her. I was like, she washed them, <laughs> which apparently you can wash your lunch boxes." <laughs> and so I was talking to her about it. She's like, "There's just so many things, you know, as a new young mom, you're always trying to put out fires, and you're just trying to survive, and you just you don't have the bandwidth to wash lunches. You're trying to pack them and go grocery shopping, yeah, exactly. and make sure that there's a variety and that they're eating their vegetables. <laughs> like you're not thinking exactly. about all those little yep. things." And she's like, "So I just." was trying to do all the things that I nobody thought of to do for me. And I was just like, I'm taking notes. When my kids have kids, I'm going to wash my grandchildren's 
lunchboxes. I love that. <laughs> Your parents are so great. Your parents are too, Rachel. I got to see Rachel's parents at the party and her in-laws. I'd never met her husband's parents. That was a lot of fun. I think it's nice to have nice family, yeah. but it does suck when they live so far away. Like my parents are also very far away. My in-laws are nearby and that's great. I love having that, but I do wish my parents could be hands-on more. There's a different thing about your own mom. Yeah. yeah there's something there to be is. said. I mean, I, I have a, I mean, I've talked about it. We have a great relationship with my in-laws, but I need my mom. Yeah. Like it's, I'm, yeah, you just, you're, it's just something different. Oh, and Mother's Day just passed. Oh, yeah. What a great time for us to be saying, like, go moms. moms Talking about great. great moms, including everyone that's listening and ourselves. Yay, us. Amen. <laughs> the end. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good for our, that's a, that's a nice little Sharon. And we'll be back with the main topic after this ad break. Are you tired of the same old boring puzzles? Mix things up with Wongo puzzles. Each puzzle is a custom design with intricate patterns and whimsical shapes that will keep you engaged for hours. Plus their eco-friendly materials and commitment to sustainability make Wongo puzzles a guilt-free way to unwind. They are 100% wooden puzzles that last forever. Each piece is a hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. They have a really cool animal bundle that is so beautifully crafted. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wongo puzzles are cut above the rest. I love doing the snow globe puzzle myself. It was great to pull out a puzzle and be done in a night and not have to leave it on the table for a week. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code Montessori Moms to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed for your money back. Go to wongopuzzles.com and use the code Montessori Moms to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. Do it. Okay, so today we're going to dive into language at the primary or children's house level. And at this point, we've talked about some of the foundations we've put down in the toddler environment with Rachel last episode. So if you haven't heard that, go ahead and go back to it so that you understand what we're building on. But we know the young child has an absorbent mind. They also are in a sensitive period for language and social behavior, and they're forming their personalities. They also have a human tendency for communication and association with others, which if any of these words seem confusing to you, we have episodes on all three of these ideas. We want to seize the opportunity when their minds are prepared for language. There are three types of language in the Montessori classroom environment. We have spoken language, writing, and reading. And the role of the adult in the prepared environment is to provide beautiful spoken language. We're going to speak kindly and warmly to the children and model how to communicate effectively. And the environment should be full of interesting, beautiful items to talk about and tell stories about. And the Montessori guide in a classroom will beautifully prepare the language material as well which we have much more of in primary than we did in toddler. So 
We're going to get into spoken language first with Rachel. So why do we give spoken language? It takes confidence to speak. So by giving children opportunities for independence, this builds confidence to empower children to use language. It gives them agency and belief that they have something important to say. We want their voice to be known too, just as ours is as adults. The Montessori environment should be a place filled with stimulation. Plants, textiles, pieces of nature. Every tray is different. Every vase is unique. There are new food, new music. There are so many new opportunities offered. There must be stories, poems, songs, books. A rich environment invites spoken language. We want things to talk about. We want them to observe the things in the classroom and talk about Look at this little tiny vase maybe on the shelf or I just, um, I have this tiny cheese grater and we were talking about earlier, we're going to do some lessons this week, but it's so tiny in the little bitty holes. Language comes with that when you discuss those um, items and materials in the classroom. We aim to offer rich, specific, and correct names for the objects and concepts in the environment. Children need the opportunity to practice using language. Freedom to speak is freedom and expressing oneself is a freedom of the Montessori classroom and home. The mixed age environment offers the opportunity to talk to many different people at different stages of development. That's another beauty is that mixed age grouping in that three-year cycle. It really allows for that opportunity for the youngest to the oldest to really hear the, to have different types of conversations. That's one of my favorite things about the philosophy is that mixed age grouping is so powerful. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how different a Montessori environment is compared to a traditional classroom environment because a big part of this is the freedom to communicate is that when you walk into a Montessori classroom, you're going to hear children talking. And we value that so much because we want them to be able to practice expressing themselves. Expression of self is a huge part of this language area. And then like Rachel said, a lot of what we're preparing in in the classroom is providing things that are interesting to talk about. So when we're pulling things to put in the environment, we're thinking, what can I say about this? What is it made of? Where did it come from? And telling stories about the things that you're bringing in and just making it interesting because if there's nothing to talk about, then we're not going to talk. So also what all the things that she's saying really, really blends in as a nice bridge from toddler to primary where we're continuing this spoken language into primary. Primary. Yeah, as, as we talked about in toddler, it is mostly spoken language. There are language lessons offered, of course, but we're really just building on that spoken language. They're learning to make sentences and communicate fully when they come in that 15-month-old. So there's so much growth of language happening, which we talked about in the last episode, and then that does take us right into primary. So I'm going to get into writing. Dr. Montessori's very first casa in San Lorenzo, the children began writing spontaneously to the surprise of Montessori. She observed the children's need for language and movement was kind of aiding them in this preparation to kind of spontaneously begin reading. I do want to add that they were speaking Italian. So this spontaneous reading and writing was much easier because they have a phonetic language. So I just want to, you know, if you're homeschooling and you're like, my child has not just begun spontaneously reading, it's a little harder in English and other languages that are not phonetic. I think that's a really important point to make because we have our vowels have two different sets of sounds. Yeah. There are long vowels, short vowels. We have all kinds of crazy. That That is an important distinction to make because English is a really difficult language to learn and to decipher. There are so many rules to learn and then 
to find that countless words break them. So I'm glad that you pointed that out in case anybody is like, uh, we're around words all day and my kid isn't just, yeah, it's because it's a little more complicated in a non-phonetic language. So good point. Yeah. So the children in the casa, they loved sandpaper letters and they began to start writing and exploding into reading very quickly. So in a Montessori classroom, you will find that we will do writing before reading, which is a little bit different, I think, than a traditional classroom. So first, we start with the preparation of the hand, which is continuation from toddler. We talked about that in toddler through practical life. So we want to strengthen the hand, habits from left to right, flexibility in the wrist, going from top to bottom, preparing the hand to hold writing utensils. So Rachel gave us awesome tips last time about ways to strengthen the hand through practical life. But we're just thinking things like cooking, sewing, Play-Doh, doing buttons and zippers with the dressing frames, things like that. So I have a quote here. It's, they are unconsciously preparing themselves for writing when in the course of the sense exercises, they move the hand in various directions, constantly Constantly repeating the same actions, though with different immediate ends in view. And that's from Maria Montessori and Discovery of the Child. So the whole idea is that before we ever give them a pencil, we make sure that their hand is ready and strong to begin writing. And that ta- that's a process. It takes time. And we also do this through sensorial. So with the sensorial materials, which we haven't talked about a lot on this podcast, I don't know how we're going to talk about them because they're so visual and so tactile. But We might try to tackle it at some point, but a lot of them are working on lightness of touch to control pressure with pencil and paper. If you've ever worked with children who are new writers, they might push down really, really hard with the pencil and rip the paper. And so we're working on that lightness of touch. And when the hand is strong enough, the children begin using a pencil to trace metal insets to practice and master using a pencil. So if you don't know what metal insets are, it's basically they're just tracing shapes, but it's a way that we strengthen the hand. And this is the first time that they're actually getting a pencil. So we go, we're working on practical life. We're working on the sensorial materials and then we get a pencil. So if you have a two-year-old, you don't need to give them a pencil. There's so many other things that you can do to make sure that their hand is prepared. So this isn't a rush is basically what I'm saying. I think the the what I said last time was chill out, everybody. And that stands. You muted yourself. Wow. Yeah, you did say that last time and it <laughs> I think a lot of people appreciated it. So let's just make sure everybody understands that you still have our permission to chill out. Yes. So writing in the Montessori classroom is all about self-expression. So we want to make sure that we're giving a lot of vocabulary to support their ability and need to express themselves through spoken language. And we're playing games. We call them sound games with different objects. And you can play this with literally anything in your environment. And it's a way that we break up sounds so that children begin to kind of notice like, huh, words are made of sounds. So you could literally be on a walk and see a rock and you could just be like, I spy a rock and that's it. And so we're just kind of starting to notice that there are different sounds 
in words. We offer writing for self-expression when the mind is ready, not when the hand is ready. So we don't have children copy. They're writing their own thoughts. So Maria Montessori said, exercise of the intelligence free from mechanism, meaning that we want to give them what's ready when their mind is ready, even if their hands aren't ready. We need to be prepared for that. And we do this with the movable alphabet. I don't know if all of you listening are familiar with that material, but it's basically just cut out. Sometimes it's wood, sometimes it's paper, but cut out letters so that they can build the word versus having to write it. So we know they're ready to express themselves. They know their sounds. They can start writing, but maybe their hand's not ready. So this is a way that their mind is ready and maybe not their hand, and we have a material for that. And then we eventually can move them to chalk and finally paper. So again, we're not rushing this. We're not saying here, here's a piece of paper, here's a pencil. I'm going to put my hand over your hand and write so that you are writing too. It's a really slow and steady thing, but once they get there, they're going to just take off. And I know, Laura, in in elementary, it's so interesting to watch that kind of all come to fruition when they finally do start writing. And it's like, we've taken years to prepare them. And all of a sudden they're writing just these like massive long research papers. So it does pay off later on. And I know she can attest to that. It happens so quickly too. Like they come into the classroom for us in late August, having made all of the letters in isolation and not a ton of connecting them into words, let alone sentences, let alone paragraphs. Some do write simple sentences in like journals in their children's house classrooms, but some hardly do that. And still, I would say by the time we're doing our mystery history reports and parades and the end of October, which was like kind of our little Halloween celebration, but by studying real people usually or significant characters from history, they're writing these little guess who I am clue giving reports for each other. And that's what, like two months later, but that foundation had to be laid really thoroughly first for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, then that kicks it over to me. And I took reading on this amazing amount of information that Megan has put together for us because this really crosses over with a lot of what we're doing in language in the lower elementary classroom. In fact, I think a lot of what I'm going to describe happens primarily at that level. I think they exist in the classrooms at this level. And depending on the classroom and the kid, some kids will get to all of these things, but really not necessarily. So reading. Montessori wanted to make sure that children got more out of reading, more than just memorizing words or even just basic decoding skills. She wanted them to have a great and deep understanding for what they read. Even at this young age, they have a critical eye for what they're reading. Montessori saw that they were able to appreciate style, tone, emotion, basically just understanding the way in which something was written. I think what I'm going to list out here coming in this paragraph is really all just her way of making sure that they could understand the importance of language and how we can manipulate it. Because the way that you manipulate language changes what you're saying. It changes how people hear you. I mean, it changes everything in communication. So you have a quote here that says, such an effort could be evoked only by an intense interest in understanding what was written. I love this quote because I just feel like a lot of times we give children reading material that's just not interesting. And when they're not interested in reading, it's probably 
probably because what they're reading is not interesting. <laughs> so I just wanted to make that note of that we want this to be an interesting experience and not this tooth pulling that reading can sometimes become because it's such a gift. The ability to read has been kind of withheld from people in, as a way to have power over people for as long as writing has existed. And so the gift to be able to read is so empowering. And we want to make sure that we're giving it the energy and the beauty that it deserves. And that can be hard. The way that books are made for young readers, just, you know, like a Bob book, like this is boring. <laughs> There's not much to say. And so the way that we approach reading in Montessori environment is meant to to be as interesting as possible. Yeah, I remember in the classroom all the time, The anytime I had a student that was reluctant to read and use our two chunks in the day where we always did silent reading time, it was always just a matter of finding the book or the series of books or just whatever the topic was that would hook that kid because a kid will sit and want and work to read something if they're interested in that topic. So yeah, that's a great quote to throw out there for parents, especially if you do have a child that's old enough to be reading, you have you know someone who's late children's house early lower elementary and you're finding it to be a struggle that's a great tip find something they care about and they'll they'll want to take the time okay so we're going to try to break down the approach that Montessori took to reading in the classroom as simply as we can to give you kind of just the overall understanding of how to tackle these massive concepts I'm talking about understanding and appreciating language at this extremely deep and cerebral level and reading between the lines and how to manipulate language so how do you teach that right they can write literally anything with phonetic sounds in the movable alphabet. It's very interesting. The spelling, yeah. It might not be spelled correct. It's not correct. But the point of the movable alphabet is not to have proper spelling. Like I said, it's to have to express self-expression. So once they have those phonetic sounds, they can write anything. Like it's the cutest thing ever to see is spelled I-Z. Like I love it. And just to go back, can you explain what phonetic means? Because every time I say it to people, they don't know what I'm talking about because it's just not a word that you talk about all the time unless you're weirdos like us. Yeah. So guys, basically when we say like a phonetic language, or phonetic word, it, we're just saying that it, it's said, it is spoken exactly how it looks like it should be based on the rules of those letter sounds. So all those romance languages like Spanish and Italian and French to a degree, although I really don't know that I would say French is phonetic because I feel like you leave off like 25 of the letters in every word. And it's just like a syllable. It comes out somehow just being like, uh, but there were like a G in there somewhere. Anyway, I digress. All of the languages that have one sound for every letter are phonetic. So what I was saying is that I do think it's important to understand that sounds, that words have so many different sounds because when you're reading at home with your child, your child can sometimes get frustrated and you can sometimes get frustrated if you don't understand what spelling rules they may and may not know. So you think it's phonetic, but it's maybe it's not. And so I do think it's really important to understand that because you can be like, sound it out, sound it out, sound it out. It might not say <laughs> the sound that they've been taught it to say. So I just think that that's an important thing to, to talk about a little bit. And that will kind of go right into phonograms, your next point. Yes, they will be taught that next level at some point. So don't panic yet and don't feel like you need to like cover it because it will get covered. So yeah, phonograms. So we introduce phonograms in order to explore common components, which are keys to reading and spelling. So for example, C and H together, don't say K, H, which is what they've been taught those letters say. They say CH and S and H don't say S. 
they say sh and t and h, right? So like there's all these different combinations of letters in English that make a certain sound when they're together that maybe it's just like a blending sound. Maybe it's a totally new sound, a digraph, but those all need to be introduced kind of slowly and steadily. Yeah. So again, that kind of isolating difficulty. So we're introducing, like I said, for example, with vowels, which have two or three different sounds. First, we're just going to talk about the short vowel sound. So they might not see an A and, and tell you a long A. They might say ah, and they might be sounding out that word with ah, ah, ah. And you're like, it's an A. It says A. Yes, but they might not know that yet. So we introduce the phonetic sounds, the phonograms, and then you may have heard them called puzzle words. I've heard them called red words, dolch words, or sight words. And these basically are the words that do need to be memorized because they do not follow any phonetic rules. They don't match the sandpaper letters that the kids have learned, or they do follow a spelling rule that again is going to be learned much later, like a magic E, for example. Yeah. So they might be called any number of those things, but they're just a quick intro to the words that they do need to memorize to be able to even really get into reading. Like one of them, for example, is the T-H-E does not make any sense per what you've learned about T-H and E at this point in your career reading, but you need to know that it says the because it's in every Right. In my training, we call it a, a puzzle word and a training Laura and I took, it was called a red word. Basically the idea of a puzzle word is like, these are the words you need to put everything together. Like you can't get through a sentence without knowing the and a, a pig. It's making the U sound, but it, it's actually an A. You need to know that to be able to move forward at all. In English. And when we called it a red word, it was like, this is a stop. Doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't say what you think it is. And this is a really great way when you have an emerging reader, when they're sitting there going, that's not what that's supposed to say. Or, or how come it's spelled like that? You can just say, oh, it's a puzzle word. Oh, it's a red word. And they usually will just be like, oh, <laughs> and totally accept it. You can move on. Because we've had a couple of those questions of like, how do I explain why Australia starts with an A, but it says the ah sound. And you can just very very simply say it's a puzzle word. It doesn't follow the rules and move on. I love that. Yeah. So if you're doing the teaching, figure out which one of those terms you want to use. If they're being taught elsewhere, figure out which one they use there. And the point is, like Megan said, the red means stop. We have to really look at this word carefully or the puzzle word puts the sentence together. So having those impressionistic stories behind concepts is extremely helpful. And we're going to come back to that later on this list. Next, we're going to introduce what's called classified readings. So classified reading uses familiar vocabulary based on whatever the lesson is that they're working on to give context and build up fluency. We're no longer isolating phonetic or phonogram reading. And now the words are familiar and you're actually like reading a whole word. So like Megan was just showing me an example of a lesson. She has different people in uniform. We've got the picture of the person in, it, in their uniform. We've got cut separately from that the name like chef or firefighter. And you've got a control set where the picture and the word are together. So a child might work on matching the word to the picture. But there's a lot of context. And it's something that was kind of covered before you just threw all the words at them. But it's another way to expose them to more words and get them reading and labeling things. So after that, we've got grammar and the function of words. So in children's house, grammar is introduced in a very simple impressionistic way where you focus on one concept at a time, like the nouns in a sentence or the verbs in a sentence. And they do introduce the symbol that Montessori kind of put with each one as like a nice visual representation, but not necessarily explaining where the symbols came from or why she chose those symbols that we get into in lower elementary, which is really fun for the kids. Yeah. And it's so fun. Like if I can explain it in like, if we're talking about an adjective, there's a big farm and I can say, can you bring me a pig? And they come in 
bring the pig and I say, not that pig. And it's like silly. And then they come and bring me a different one. I'm like, not that pig. We need a word. I want a small pig. And so that helped you to find the right pig. And so it's just kind of silly and fun and dramatic. And it gets even more dramatic. Like, I mean, if I was to describe elementary in one word, it's drama. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I would have a whole box of markers and be like, can you hand me the marker? And be like, not that marker. No, not that. My God, no. What? Why would you think I want that marker? And I would literally make them choose every marker until it's the last color. And they're rolling on the floor. <laughs> it's so it fun. kills every time. And I'm like, ah, I needed to give you a describing word. I needed to describe the marker that I was looking for. Okay, let me move along. The next thing introduced is reading analysis, which studies sentences, including a subject, a predicate, a direct object, an indirect object, commas, pronouns, adverbial extensions, attributes, and a positives. This helps the child to move towards what Megan referred to earlier, total reading, by being able to break down sentences and analyze their meaning and the functions of phrases. And this is fun in the lower L environment too, because we see how when you move around the order of the words in the sentence, you can really dramatically change the meaning of the sentence, which again goes back to that whole, how do you manipulate language? How do you, like, what are you saying? What are you not saying? All of that really cool stuff. And then lastly, we have word study. And word study refers to the isolation of categories of words, such as compound words or antonyms. And when we look at one type of word, the children are able to see a pattern in how those words are used in different ways and to convey different meanings. It becomes very obvious that words can be manipulated. For example, sand and castle can become sandcastle, which makes for three different nouns involving those words. Not only is this interesting to them, but it also aids in spelling and reading. So I just wanted to add that there are other categories within language that we would hit, but we're not going to talk about them today. One is the bells, which is talking about notation, composition, and reading music, which is part of the language area, Uh, geography, and botany, zoology, art, appreciation, music, literature, and history. So obviously we can't cover all of that, and I won't make you, but those are also part of the language area that we won't talk about today. But it's very rich. It's very deep and expansive. And hopefully, you know, we didn't get too into everything, but hopefully you have a general understanding of how we approach language and how cool it is. I think it is cool. (laughs) It's so cool. I mean, I got to sit here and just listen. I only have my toddler training and they give you like you have, I think, two weekends. I had on an introduction to like area in the primary children's house classroom and it's like nothing. But I'm just sitting here. I am i haven't commented because I'm just mesmerized. I'm just listening and I, I love it. Yeah. I just wish all the time. I wish that I would have learned like this because so many things yeah. came so hard to me. And then I hear this and it's just like that would have been made my life so much easier. I did not know my parts of speech and grammar. Oh, no. No, I still struggle. I mean, I like have to look things up still because I didn't learn it properly, clearly. Yeah. The way that I had to learn it was like, it was like a sheet of paper, Mm -hmm. like a a worksheet. And it was like, circle the verb, put a square over the article or whatever. And there was like a certain point that I stopped staring. And so people sometimes are like, oh my gosh, you're doing all of that when they're like ages three to six. But as you can see from some of our examples, they are very age appropriate and not, you know, I'm not sitting there 
there saying this is an adverb and this is what it does and this is why you use it and here's a list of all the adverbs. It's really, really impressionistic and really developmentally appropriate. So if we know you're going to stomp quiet, we're going to stomp loudly. And so we're just highlighting what words do and how they change and manipulate what you're doing or what you're trying to say in a very age appropriate way. All right, we'll move on to confessions. Um, my confession is I made my husband a sandwich for work and I thought that I was putting jelly, like jelly on there, but it was actually not jelly. It was like, well, I guess it was jelly, but like old, like pepper jelly from like, I thought it was strawberry jelly. He eats a strawberry jelly and peanut butter sandwich a lot of times. So I was like, okay, here. And I like but it was like moldy and I just, I, but it looked like chunks of like strawberry. And I just assumed. And you gave him a moldy pepper jelly and peanut butter sandwich. Clearly it was not strawberry jelly. He's never going to eat a lunch from you ever. Pepper jelly and peanut butter. Can you even imagine? I bet that was disgusting. What did he say? What did he do? Well, he just texted me and was like, what do you think you gave me for lunch? And I was like, a normal sandwich like he was like well now I have to get lunch and I don't have time and he still didn't tell me what it was so I was so confused (laughs) and then I went to the fridge and I was like and I obviously put it back in the front and I was like oh "Oh, no that's what I gave him I don't like pepper jelly so well you're gonna need to find out how many bites he had before he realized what oh it was was the first bite he brought the whole sandwich home and showed me (laughs) he was like look at this back I want you, he wanted me to try it. I was like, I am not trying to poison me. That. That's disgusting. Usually whenever I go to Rachel's <laughs> house, I immediately make myself food. And I'm gonna think twice. <laughs> I threw it away. Yeah. Gonna, I threw it away. You're in the clear. Pause before away. I start go raiding her fridge <laughs> to eat all of her food. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. So my confession is I decided to be in theme of language. So I I guess I kind of have two confessions. So one is that I just found out the word prima donna is not pre-Madonna. I found that out like like a month ago. (laughs) I don't know if I fully understood that until you just pronounced it that way when you said prima donna and you separated them. What's that mean? Like first woman? That's Italian, right? So now I have to look it up. Hold on. So prima donna, prima donna, it's two words. It was the leading woman in an opera. Leading woman. Yeah. First woman. Okay. So I, are you even Italian? I, (laughs) she's never going to let me live that down. Um, (laughs) I thought it was pre Madonna. Madonna. And in my mind, before Madonna, before Madonna. So like, sure you're acting a certain way. It's like you were a diva even before Madonna was a diva. (laughs) And that makes sense to me. (laughs) So yeah, let's just add that to the list of words that I did not know and thought that I did know. And I was reading it in a book. I was reading a novel and it was like talking about how she was being a prima donna. And I was like, that's, (laughs) that's how it's not prima donna. Okay. You know what? I, oh, I had a different one. Had a different confession, but you're making me remember. Well, I guess this one's quick. This one's quick. I for a very, very long time, very late in life, realized free for all <laughs> is free for all and not a 
free for all, <laughs> whatever, whatever a for all is exactly. It's like, what's that? Like a free fall? Like, are we, we're free okay, falling? That, like it's chaos. One. That is a good one. It's a free for all. It's a free for all. If you know, you say it fast enough, it's free for all. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what that is, but it sounds hectic. Now I get it. If something is free for all, that's, you know, people go crazy then too. So that's really funny. (laughs) Well, my second, like second part of my language confession was to, to admit how many words that I cannot spell, even though I've spelled them so many times and have seen them so many times. And it doesn't matter how many times I'm autocorrected. I will continue to spell it incorrectly. And I feel like we all have those words, right? Yes. And so my list of things I cannot spell for the life of me and never will, I, I believe, is exercise. Can't, yeah. Can't spell oh, it. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, how many that, ex- that's a hard an one. An X, a C, an S. I don't know. Where's the C? There's Was <laughs> it here? Is it over here? Are there two I, of them? No matter how many times I type it out. My phone has to correct me. Guard. Can't spell guard. Is the U first? Is the A first? I don't know. I spell it wrong every time. Yep. That's a good one. That what, is restaurant right behind it. Okay. Restaurant is one I have for- the same problem with restaurant. Guard I don't have a problem with. My last one is vacuum. Two C's, two U's. Two C's and two U's. One C, two U's. I don't know. You like question yourself every time. Yeah. yeah, and and these are words, it's always interesting because these are words that I can read instantly, but if you ask me to spell them, I will spell them wrong. So that's just my little language confession. It's funny. I think I have a lot a lot of the A, U, and E, I words. I have to double check which order it came in, even though E and I have all those fun rhymes. Except I for sometimes e, when it doesn't. C, <laughs> unless it says A, like neighbors yeah, and way. Yeah. And then there's like a whole bunch of other <laughs> ones too that are all exceptions to that rule. Like I said, English, crazy. All right. You know what? I will do yeah. one additional one because I wasn't going to do that one. You just prompted me to it. You connecting with me and my confession, but this one's your confession. My confession is that my daughter was having quiet time. <laughs> this is bad. I should, she's, maybe she'll kill me for this someday or she might be very she might not love me for sharing this one someday but it's really more about me than her I think we'll see you guys tell me because um (laughs) she had quiet time in her room and she has a little potty in there just in case she doesn't make it like the big toilet in time because for a little while there doorknobs were 50-50 success rate. Sometimes she could open it. Sometimes she was stuck in whatever room she was in. Doorknobs are hard. Um, Especially the ones in this house for whatever reason. So she had a little potty in there. And a couple of days ago, she was in there for quiet time. And I think I looked, she had, I think she had fallen asleep or she was reading books or something where the camera in her room was on her because I do still have a monitor to make sure she's like, you know, in the room at least. And I looked at the camera and she wasn't there anymore. And so I moved the camera to find her standing like longingly looking out the window, very forlorn. So, and it was time for a quiet time to be over. So I'm like, well, let me see what this is about. So I go up and I open the door and she's glancing and she's gazing, she's gazing into the distance. And I'm like, hey, babe what's up? She's like, well, had a little bit of an accident. I was like, well, what happened? And she's like, I got a little bit of pee on the floor. And I see, I look over towards the potty and there's towels and like clothes, just stuff from the closet have just all been like bunched on top of it. And I'm, I see that you tried to clean it. Thank you. I'm like, what, what happened? Cause you know, like she's, <laughs> she knows how to use that toilet. She knows how to pee in the potty. 
She goes, well, the name is, I just wanted to see if I could stand to pee like my friend in my classroom. Because, you know, there are boys and girls together in the classroom. And she looked so humiliated, right? Because she realized, I cannot. I have no control over this situation if I stand up. <laughs> I could see some's in the potties. A lot of it's not. Except- right. And that's what I was like, oh, okay, we've all been there. And we all at some point have to learn. We don't have the hardware for that. <laughs> yeah, I was just immediately... Taken back to childhood and the exact day that I tried to see if I could stand maybe while I was going to the bathroom. <laughs> and I just, just have the hardware for so that. I was like, I didn't have the heart to be like any kind of, you know, punitive. <laughs> I was just like, well, you tried to clean it up and now you know a valuable lesson about how your parts make that really difficult to do. But I had to admit that Seriously. it took me back to a time where I too wanted to see if I could be standing up and I can't, I cannot. Yeah, you're right. Like I physically can do that, but it is not going to be a good situation. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this reminds me like people, people, women pee while camping and stuff with no kind of toilet to sit. I guess they can squat. I can't even like squat in the air and do it without paying for it. I can just not successfully aim. (laughs) I can. I have definitely peed in the yard before when I was trying to show Finley. (laughs) (laughs) See, these confessions keep rolling in. And I was a kid. My parents like live on like a, my grandpa at that time. Now my parents live there a lot of land and we had four wheelers <laughs> and we would like keep a roll of toilet paper on the four wheeler. So if I had to pee, I just I would squat and have my toilet paper. Oh my gosh. In a plastic okay, bag. Okay. So this is going to go off way longer than it needs to, but I have to tell this story because I have to. I was 16 and I was on a date and we were at the beach and we're at the beach in California where there's a lot of these like ice plants. They're really thick plants that grow in big bundles. Yeah. And it was dark and I went to go pee off in the dark by myself. And I was, you know, (laughs) that was back when now they're back again, but like when flared pants was a thing, like flared jeans. Oh God. And so I squatted down to (laughs) pee and it was dark and I didn't realize that there was an ice plant in between my legs. So then the pee ran down and then separated and kept flowing down you should to just soak the out. bottom of my pants in my pee. And so then I knew <laughs> a lot of pee talk. If if you don't if you don't like pee talk, you gotta get out of here. And so it soaked the bottom of my pants and I knew I was gonna have to get back in this guy's truck and drive home just re just in my pee pants. In pee pants. Yeah. Pee and sand. Right? Yeah. Did you not have sand stuck it. to your pee? And so I, that? the problem solver that I was, I was just like, I'm just like this cool <laughs> girl, free spirit, just like it's cold, and it, I'm just gonna run into the ocean. Just gonna walk I just, in like, the don't ocean. I'm wild about life, um, but it was actually I was getting the pee off my pants. <laughs> Genius, genius, and I could not love that more That's because it is so <laughs> Megan that you do a thing. Because you are, you are a free spirit and you are beautiful mother, goddess, nature, green, <laughs> all the things. But, green. but she's, green. she's green. She's made of plant life earth. and free range, whatever. Yeah, earth. And 
However, Eggs. however, that's not why she's running into the ocean, guys. She's running into the ocean to cover up her pee pants. And that <laughs> is why I love you so much. Okay. That's it. We did date for a while longer, so we, we love didn't you. ruin it. <laughs> it <Okay>. worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Now for our conclusion. Can you announce the Thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. <laughs> now I will conclude by reading the conclusion. I'm now going to if read you. the conclusion. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us, subscribe, review, and write. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google, and iHeartRadio. You can follow us on Instagram at Montessori Moms in the Wild or email us at Montessori Moms in the Wild at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, stay wild. (laughs) Bye. Bye.